All summer we've been following Jesus and his disciples in the book of Matthew as he's been calling them and training them as well as teaching not just them but others around him. Today brings us to one of the many and in itself one of the biggest miracles outside perhaps of the resurrection that we see in Jesus. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. We're beginning at verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, the preceding verses tell of his cousin John the Baptist's arrest and execution. So that's what precedes it. Now when Jesus heard this, heard that, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the town. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves. and gave, it, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When's the last time you were really wowed by something? Like amazed, like jaw-dropping, breath-holding, in awe of whatever it was. When I think of moments like that, this scene from... The 1993 classic Jurassic Park comes to mind. Vermiformin's been extinct since the Cretaceous period. I mean, this thing is a That he just—I mean—ripped the glasses off of his face. Couldn't talk turned her head so she could see. Had, now, I don't, haven't had those kind with, like, cloned prehistoric animals, but I think we all have experienced those moments of awe. About the same time as that movie was uh, released, I was visiting my cousin out in California in uh, Santa Rosa. And during that summer, um, during the weekdays, I hung out with her kids, and we ran about the local area, but on the weekends, we would go exploring beyond just so her 
Virginia, one of her Virginia cousins could see different things. But one week, she, they took a few extra days, and we went out to the Sierra Nevadas specifically to go to Yosemite National Park. Now, we're driving up to this park. Um, through, if you know it, I know some of you all have been through the Arch Rock entrance, and we're coming along in my family, extended families in the mountains of Virginia. I've gone down many roads that look more or less like this. These are, these are not my shots. These are from Google Maps. You know, the dude standing in the road looking, that car goes by. So going past, it's a pretty view. Things are pat, we're driving along. Oh, there's neat. It's a tunnel cut out of the mountain. Okay, there's something. And then all of a sudden, you start to see the majesty all around. And there's a pull-off spot just up ahead of where this is happening. And my cousin pulled over just so that I could stand there. I get motion sick in the car. I forget that because usually I'm the one driving and I do all right. But I remember that day I was pretty green up until the moment I saw that. I forgot all of that and just stood there. I, wordless, breathless, slack jaw in awe. I believe that God has made part of our, part of our human makeup is so that we can be awed, that we can stand in amazement of the marvels all around us, whether it's something natural or something human-made, whether it's a beautiful story or poem or listening to music and song, whether it's the innocent curiosity of a child that reintroduces us to the wonders all around or experiencing the marvels and wonders that are unmistakably from God. And whether we notice it in the moment or whether we connected the dots later and stood or sat there amazed, I believe that we were indeed made to experience miracles. The disciples get a lot of grief a lot of times for missing things, for not getting the point of Jesus, of his teachings, of the things that are going on, and it's fair. And um, But I think even those of us who have the gift of hindsight, we still miss things ourselves. But this day, this event, they may have missed some things, but they didn't miss everything. They must have been in awe of what happened in this day. All summer long, as I said earlier, we've been traveling with these disciples along Jesus, along with Jesus. And the whole time, it seems that he's been drawing larger and larger crowds. At one point, he had to, he went, they were by the shore, and he had to get in a boat and go off a little bit so he could allow the natural echo, or amplification rather, from the water so the crowds could hear him. But, but here is this crowd that's not only is the 5,000, is 5,000 men not including the women and the children. We have no idea how many people it is we, outside of that it, a lot. A lot of people gathered in this space on this plane. We don't exactly know the, well, some people speculate exactly where, where they think it is, but we don't know. I think the only moment that rivals the crowd's energy might be the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem preceding the crucifixion 
when the crowds are still praising him and hosannas and palm branches and all the stuff. But even then, the crowd spread out along the road. This is folks all gathered in one space. I imagine the crowd alone, all the disciples. They must have never imagined that in the months that they've been traveling with Jesus, that they would experience this for their master, who they've been walking alongside and traveling with this whole time. Some wows, some moments of amazement come in an instant, in the moment when you're, when you're there. Coming around a bend and seeing the valley leading into Yosemite. The disciples turning around and looking at the crowds that are there. Jesus, I think they were, I don't know if they are quite awed by Jesus' expectation of them, but I'm sure that they were at least shocked when he said, okay, you feed them. And I say, what? If you remember last week's lessons, Jesus was comparing the kingdom of heaven to small things. And small things that become either big things or valuable things. Jesus often follows his lessons with an example. In their amazement of the crowd, the disciples had no idea what else was to come. But then Jesus made an example of his teaching of small things and took small things. Five loaves of bread and two fish. Other gospel tells us it's a kid's lunch for the day. It's not much. Yet Jesus performs this miracle. It's important to note, too, that this miracle shows up in all four Gospels. That is not often. That doesn't typically occur in Scriptures until we get to the crucifixion, well, until we get to the triumphal entry. Those last things show up in all four Gospels. Not every bit of it, but a lot of the events of it. And every once in a while, we'll get a story or so that matches up. But the, this moment shows up in each of the Gospels, telling us, signaling to us as readers, as followers, hopefully as followers, but initially as readers, that this is a significant event. And sometimes we try to turn this, uh, make this into a miracle of the heart, of changing people's minds. That people came with their food, and they, they just weren't readily sharing it, and then because of the generosity of this child and the folks there, decided to be generous as well. I don't think that's what happened. That'd be pretty cool, but I don't think that's what happened. I think a real miracle occurred. Because all four of the gospel writers believed that this needed to be included in their story. Something beyond the change of what was in inner occurred. A miracle beyond anything that they had imagined, took place. It was a miracle in the moment showing us that even our small things are enough, as Mike said when we bring them to Jesus. 
our small things are enough. The mustard seed, as a seed, was enough, and it became a bush. The pearl in its smallness was enough for the guy to sell everything to buy because its value was so significant. Even in our smallness, Jesus makes it enough. Even when enough means a lot. When it means more than we could ever imagine. So the crowds and the the multiplication of the food were wow moments in the moment. But I think there were, that the actually I, I don't think, I feel pretty certain that the disciples had wow moments that came later. Later upon reflection. Connecting the dots. I had a student, he was a college student when I was an associate uh, pastor back in the 90s. And he had come back to church, he'd been active in the youth group and came back to church and was gobsmacked by this concept that he had just kind of stumbled on. He was a math major. And he found this amazing moment of God in math. It's possible. It's possible. We spend a lot of time talking about God being infinite, right? And we start thinking infinite is large and vast. But then uh, the student, Matt is his name, he said, but there are also an infinite number of numbers between one and two in decimals. The, the smallness, God's infiniteness is even in the smallness, the smallest of things. You put a, a decimal and zeros, and you can put zeros from here all the way to the end of the room, and you're not done yet putting zeros because you just add another zero in front. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but it's still infinite. Didn't happen in a moment. It took him kind of connecting some dots. But he was wowed by God's infiniteness in math, in the numbers, and in the smallness. And some of those connecting dots happen when we're uh, on our own, but many of them also happen when we're in community. We're meant to be in community together as followers of Jesus. And as we reflect on the things of our lives and on the uh, things of our faith, we start connecting dots that we maybe didn't see before. Somebody helps connect a dot that, that we didn't even notice, but to them was obvious. And we start exploring our faith and deepening our faith and standing in all together. As the disciples were experiencing this feeding, I believe it probably wasn't until afterwards because I imagine in the moment they were just, well, they were working. Jesus had put them to work. So they were working pretty hard doing what he had called them to do. And then days later, they stood back on reflection, maybe that night even, around the campfire. And like, this was like Moses in the wilderness. And the manna that he provided, that God provided the people so that they would not go hungry when they were fleeing Israel and fleeing Egypt and going toward the promised land. Matthew makes sure that we don't miss the connections, the correlations between what is happening with Jesus and the events of the wilderness and the manna and even the, the providing of meat later on with the quail. Bread and meat, both provided in the wilderness, bread and meat provided. 
by Jesus to the crowd. But I don't think that they saw it in a moment. But Matthew's, Matthew's word choice connects it directly to the Old Testament passages. So he's connected, they connect the dots and they see the majesty in Israel's past and are amazed by it. But it wouldn't be much, it wouldn't be until much later on that they connected it to what would have been their future. Just as the language connects it to the Exodus event. The language that Jesus uses in this feeding of the 5,000 is echoed at another event much later in his ministry. Not much later, just later. As they're gathered around a table, as he's blessing the bread, as he's giving it to his disciples. It's a reflection, it's an echo of the Israel's past, and it's a reflection of the Last Supper to come. The language is the same. The words in the Greek are the same. I won't even bore you with them, mostly because I can't say them. But the words are the same. In in the 5,000, Jesus took the five loaves of bread and the two fish. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. Then we read later on in Matthew 26, 26, Jesus took bread after blessing it. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. We're supposed to see that correlation. Again, a correlation that probably didn't come. I bet that correlation didn't come until after the resurrection. When they're sitting around the room, maybe when they were waiting to meet Jesus. I don't know. We don't know when all the, these connect dots got connected, but came later. But only came because of reflection, probably only came because they reflected together in community, were made to be not just watchful in the moment for God's working, as we talked about last week, about being uh, observant and aware and looking out for the, when the kingdom of God breaks through God's actions among us and God's activity, and not necessarily miraculous things, but the community of God at work. So it's not only just that to be on the lookout, but also being reflective of what God is doing around us and has done for us and within us and through us and, and all around us. It's part of why we're made for community. That's Sometimes people ask me, well, can I be a Christian? Or, well, actually, they usually say it this way because they're, they're already affirming it. Can't I be a Christian and not go to church? Because they already have their answer, they think. And, I, and I'll say well, I say usually one of two things. I say it depends on what day of the week it is, how I answer that. Or what I'll say, and this is what I actually believe, it's hard to do that. It's much harder to do that because we're meant to be in community. You can. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul tells us. But it's much harder. We're meant to be in community together. We're meant to reflect on our faith so that we can grow in our understanding. And not only just to see the wows, but to see the depths of God's love for us through the person of Jesus. To see the strength of the power of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's, there are like 10 sermons worth of points in this text. 
uh, I'm, I'm, this is where I stopped. And in my brain, I keep going because that's the parts I've edited out. But I want to say so much more. But however, what I do want to point out are a few things. One is to notice the compassion of Christ in this moment. I pointed out, it's, we didn't read it in the text, but I pointed out that he had just learned that his cousin had died. A horrible death. Had been arrested by King Herod and then executed. That's a big story all by itself. He tries to go away to have some time to mourn. But the crowds follow him, and he sees their need, and he has compassion. That's our Jesus. And he calls us to join with him in that ministry of compassion. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it's even really hard. But he calls us to join him in that. I also want to encourage us to, to spend time in reflection. Our world moves at a fast pace, and we have so many things that can keep us from reflecting. There's a, I don't know when it came about, I left my phone in my office, but when you're on your phone and you're in an app and you're just, you're just doing this, you know what that's called now? Doom scrolling. Doom, you're scrolling to your doom. I don't know exactly where it came from, but that's kind of what it feels like because we fill up our space with things like that. I'm not saying it's all bad and evil, but we just, we find things that take away from our opportunity to spend with God. We're meant to spend time in reflection. We're meant to spend time in the choir. We're meant to spend time with God. I think there's always been things that have distracted people. It's just different for us now. But I encourage us to spend time doing that. And the last is just to expect the wow. Anticipate being amazed by God. God shows off from time to time. And sometimes you can't mistake it. Other times it takes a moment. It takes a little bit. It takes a community to help you see it. But whenever we start to see the kingdom of God breaking through, join in and marvel. When the building gets transformed to teach children what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ for vacation Bibles, we'll stand in awe of the change. Join in. And being marveled. When the church gathers to distribute food, clothing, hygiene essentials, diapers, and more, the kingdom of God is breaking through in those moments. Join in and be amazed. When our children gather to assemble food for their classmates who go home to little food on the weekends so that they have meals, that's the kingdom of God breaking through. Join in and be wowed. And those are just the human things. Those are just the things that we see all around us, that we, we see God pointing us to the need, and we join in with him and those around us, and we respond to those around us with the compassion that we have experienced from Christ. We're made to be amazed. We're made to join in God's works of compassion in this world, and we're made to be connected in community so that we can share all of these together, so that we can grow in our faith and deepen our roots and help others to do the same.
Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the miracles of changing, that come from changing hearts and the miracles that come from defying the laws of physics. Thank you for the blessings of community, of reflection, of your son. Open our eyes to your marvel. Open our hearts in wonder so that we might be wowed by your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.